RadioInfluence.com. This podcast was recorded prior to the horrifying cop killings in Memphis. Kevin McGarry, author of the book, Woked Up, pulls no punches in exposing the insidious roots of wokeness, Marxism, racism, and much more on this episode of United Patriots Uprising with Gary Benford. I'm your host, Gary Benford. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is available at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. There are few people I know who can pretty much take all the meat there is off the bone when dealing with freedom's threatening issues. Kevin McGarry is one of them. So let's get into it. With 35 years of experience in information technology and a focus on civil engagement, he's taking info and training to the masses that's so greatly needed. He's an author, keynote speaker, political commentator, master class trainer, cybersecurity IT specialist. He's the co-founder of Every Black Life Matters, an organization truly committed to fighting real racial issues across the nation. And there's more. He's the chairman of the Frederick Douglass Foundation of California. I welcome back to the show the author of the book, Woked Up, finally putting an axe to the taproot of white supremacy and racism in America, Kevin McGarry. How are you, Kevin? Hey, Gary, so good to be here again. Thank you for having me, brother. Uh, it's great to talk to you again. And I, I just listened back a while ago to when you were a guest on the podcast back in early December of 2021, along with Brandon Tatum, Reverend C.L. Bryan, and Dr. Linda Lee Tarver. And that episode was entitled, Yes, Black Conservatives Do Exist. Mm. America was a mess at that time, primarily the result of the virus hysteria and lockdowns. Yep. So, Kevin, give us the gory details. How much farther have we spiraled down the destructive rabbit hole since then? Man, I tell you what, uh, the rabbit hole seems to be a bottomless pit uh, because, you know, this administration has taken us to the bottom as quickly as possible. I think the whole idea and, you know, this is not conspiratorial. This is a fact. The whole idea is to uh, really figure out how we how they could finally uh, undermine America to the point where we'd be wrapped into a global blanket, uh, along with all the other uh, globalist uh, countries, and we become part of this 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 you know scheme to do a great reset. So uh, you know, uh, you know, Biden pressed the the pedal to the metal, baby. I mean, he is he is really working hard. Uh, y- you have to think that okay. When he first got in office, a lot of us were thinking, well, look, this guy, he's just he's out of his mind. He's really, you know, he's he's demented. He's got dementia and this kind of thing. Uh, Even if you even if you're out of your mind and you're demented, um, you wouldn't do the things that we're seeing now. This has to be on purpose. And when you consider the the malfeasance with his with all these documents and his son and. Uh, the cahoots with Ukraine and China and and the globalists. Uh, this is not by accident. This is by design. And um, you know, right now, to this point at least, it's been working. I'm hopeful that enough of us w- wake up and say, "Look, no more." You know, this is let's put this uh, treasonous, traitorous folks behind bars and let's uh, really start to govern in America like it should be. Uh, That would be great. Now, my question to you, most of us have always from day one considered Biden to be a puppet that is being controlled by Barack Obama. So do you think this is really Biden or do you think this is the you you keep hearing about uh, Barack Obama and the influence of his people in the White House and George Soros and that whole cabal that's actually calling the shots and Biden just whatever they say, say this, do this, put this, uh, you know, let me tell you a funny story. Back in uh, 1969, I was at St. John's Arena in uh, 
on the Ohio State campus. And at that time, I was a, a Notre Dame basketball fan, and uh, they were playing in the NCAA Eastern or Mideast Regional Final Four. It was Kentucky, Notre Dame, Iowa, and Jacksonville with Artis Gilmore and Pembroke Burroughs, right? And Kentucky had about 8,000 fans in the arena. And there was this guy with this huge Confederate flag, Kevin. And when I say huge, it was huge. It was like, like the size of a, of, a, of a side of a room. And he had dark sunglasses on. And during the whole game, when Kentucky played Notre Dame the first game, and I'll never forget, Austin Carr had like 55 points for Notre Dame. Dan Issel had like 44 for Kentucky, who won. And this guy, the whole game during the timeouts, would stand up and wave this huge Confederate flag. And me and my friends kept saying, you know, the guy's probably blind, and they just told him, wave this. And he has no idea what he's waving, right? Right. That's kind of how I see Biden. They say, read this, say this, do this, and he has no clue. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I absolutely believe that. I mean, you know, we, we see his earpieces all the time. Uh, he is being controlled by the globalist cabal. Um, I have no doubt that Barack Obama is, speak, is speaking in his ear. This is really Bar uh, Obama's third uh, third term. No doubt about it. Um, the guy who's playing the role as the president in the White House is um, uh, he, he he doesn't know enough. He doesn't comprehend enough. He doesn't his brain doesn't function well enough uh, for him to do anything on his own. And that's why they they rush all of the uh, press out of the room as soon as any event ends, because he cannot answer questions. He cannot keep his hands off of young children. He cannot you know, stop himself from flirting with young girls. I mean, the guy is a disaster all the way around. Sniffing people. Oh, he's sniffing and, and, and oh man, sniffing and all this kind of stuff with these, with these young girls and these babies. I mean, this guy is the worst of the worst. And, um, you know, it's amazing that we had so many people, uh, you know, we know what, the, we know what happens with the voting systems, but still there were, a lot of people that voted for this guy, and it's absolutely amazing that he got any votes with his track record of, of rape, with his track record of indecency towards women and children and young girls, and then with his track record of just being the biggest buffoon in the Senate for all those years. Uh, I don't, I don't even know how he got one vote, but you know, that's just me. But yeah, and there's something else that you and I both learn. And since this is uh, an audio podcast, people can't see us. But for the record, both Kevin and I are black, but actually we aren't black. We were black because because we didn't vote for Joe Biden. We ain't black anymore. <laughs> oh, boy. So speaking of black, you, your new book is called Woked Up, and it emphasizes the realities of what black America has gone through and helps us identify the real perpetrators behind behind the egregious lies. And you delved into several key aspects, several key. And the two biggest aspects that you wrote about you said the two largest killers in black America are abortion and gang violence. Yep. You want to unpack that for us? Yeah. So the uh, abortion is the number one killer of children around the world, around the globe. I think last year it was 44 plus million children worldwide that were killed. Um, and and so that's that's the number one. But here's the thing. There's a specific target that these white supremacists and racists have used to eliminate, exterminate the black community um, since abortion was being offered here in America. And uh, that is abortion. And, and so fundamentally, you have a lot of uh, strategic targeting of the abortuaries, uh, that's why I call them. That would be Planned Parenthood and associated abortion agencies who are specifically targeting the black community because these people are white supremacists and racists, no doubt about it, and it's just it's just a fact. So you can do your own homework, but I am back it in this in my new latest book, and uh, and, and so that is the most harmful, the biggest killer, uh, and the biggest 
uh, reason why the black community has been undermined for decades is because our population rates have been decimated, our reproduction rates have been decimated by by virtue of, of the abortion industry and the targeting of the abortion industry, not just the abortion industry, but specifically targeting blacks for extermination. Um, the other thing- Which is, goes back to Margaret Sanger. It goes back to Margaret Sanger. Founder her, of Planned Parenthood, right. Her infamous, her infamous quote was, look, we don't want the word to get out, but we want to fully exterminate the Negro population. Yeah. So people can go ahead and Google that and whatever. I mean, it's just, she was talking to, I think his name was Clarence Gamble, but he was uh, an heir of the Procter and Gamble, um, you know, their, their family resources. And uh, she was talking to him and she said, look, this is what we're doing. Now, the Gamble family, the Gates family, the Rockefellers and all these other, you know, globalist entities are all depopulationists, uh, eugenicists, and uh, they will do anything and everything to really, you know, ease population or restrict population. I, that'd be a better term. Restrict, restrict the population of almost any other ethnicity other than whites. And so you have to ask yourself, well, why is that? And it's because they're white supremacists and racists. They really fundamentally believe everything that Darwin uh, touted, uh, you know, in his grotesque theories. And uh, they're still around today. I mean, you look at Bill Gates. He goes around the country and around the world and talks about how we need to depopulate the planet and how we need to do it by virtue of vaccines, how we need to do it by virtue of uh, sterilization in our third world and fourth world uh, countries, and how we need to, um, you know, make sure that we have abortion that he calls then reproductive rights for these women in these third and fourth world countries, as well as the United States. So, uh, you know, the fact is, is that these people are supremacists uh, and they want most all other populations gone. They want, the, if, if they can have their way, they want the world to be uh, 500 million people and max for the entire world. For the right. entire, and then they want uh, only elitists to be amongst them. And that's it. And and the rest, uh, you know, the rest of the plebes can go by way of uh, destruction. However, that however they need to do that. Kevin, you you laid that out very very well. And here's the aspect of this that has my head exploding because I've asked people this, I've asked liberals this, I've asked conservatives this, I've asked pastors this, and people that it, it's just so. It's just so ununderstandable if that is the goal. If you're trying to get control of something, right? Mm -hmm. And you know that black people shamefully vote 92% Democrat. Right. And there have been, what, 50 million black abortions, abortions of black babies since, since Roe versus Wade came in? We're 60 million. It's probably closer to 64 million right now. Yeah. Okay. So you have 64 million, let's just say only 90% of them would vote Democrat. Don't they realize that if they stop this practice, they'd never lose an election because their voting base would, they're killing off their own voting base. They know it and they do it anyway. Can you explain that to me? Well, yeah, no. So it it, it is uh, they're killing off their voting base because they really they really don't like blacks. I mean, you know, really fundamentally. Now they'll tell you things like, and I'm I'm tired of of us taking this pablum from them when they say things like, well, you know, look, uh, there's a lot of blacks that are still in poverty right now. Uh, we need to give them a better chance of of coming out of poverty. So we need to restrict. And, you know, abortion is just one of the ways that they, that allows them the choice to do that. And and but really what they're saying is, look, if you're in poverty, the chances of your your progeny also being in poverty is very likely. And therefore, we don't we want to you know, we don't want to bear the burden, quote unquote, of future generations of more people impoverished. And yeah. oh, wait a minute, Kevin, I thought they're for the little people. And if you vote for us, our policies will make you healthy, wealthy and wise. No, absolutely racist, white supremacists is how they think. And now but here's what here's here's the here's how they're getting around their extermination policies towards blacks. 
is they're getting around it by virtue of open borders. They're bringing people in from mm-hmm. the world. Um, and they understand that when people come here and, and, and they're, believe it or not, all the NGOs, the leftist progressive NGOs are at the border waiting for these people to come through. As soon as they come through, they get the pamphlet about the Democrat Party as being the ones who brought you here and set you free. Um, they get, you know, I think they even do some voter registration stuff. I mean, it's just horrible. Uh, the way that they are really, these people are pawns and a much larger game for power. They have no idea how despicable and demeaning this is to anybody, let alone these these people who are who are not even literate in their own language, most of them. Most of them don't even have a a a high school education. They, you know, these are these are third and fourth world countries where these people come from. So they're illiterate in their own language. And then you bring them here and you say, look, don't worry about even learning how to do anything. Look, the main thing is this is what we call a ballot. And this is where you (laughs) you vote for Democrat, period. Hard stop. End of story. We're going to allow you to do this. But, you know, some states, they don't even care, like states like California. Uh, They're not going to don't worry about it. Just just vote. It doesn't matter. You can do it today. And uh, no one no one no one's going to say anything or do anything. You can vote here. And so uh, that's that's the game that they're playing, you know, Gary, is that they they want a, a, you know, a voting base is going to keep them in power in perpetuity. It's too long to wait for blacks to have children a day and then wait for 18 years for those children to grow up and then uh, have them be a part of a, a voting base. Right now, they can import the votes. And because most states don't even cross, you know, do any kind of cross checking or cross justification of who's voting. Uh, and most states in America, believe it or not, folks, uh, these votes, these illegal votes from people that are illiterate, a lot of them in their own language, are coming here and they're fully nullifying our votes today. This is not in the future, happening today. So we hear a lot of talk about this voter disenfranchisement, this and that from uh, Sharpton and, and these these other guys. Uh, well, voter disenfranchisement happens every single election cycle, and it's happening to all Americans as our votes are being nullified by virtue of an illiterate voting base, an illegal voting base that's just recently imported here by virtue of the policies of those in charge. I hear you. And when they vote, this helps to try and keep abortion legal. Now, the other part of the abortion thing, you say, and we know this, a lot of people don't know because you'd have to have been through all parts of the country and all different types of neighborhoods, neighborhoods to understand. But there has always been a preponderance of liquor stores in black neighborhoods. And now, as you say in your book, most Planned Parenthood facilities are located in predominantly black neighborhoods. Please explain why. Well, again, they're carrying out Margaret Sanger's vision. She wanted to exterminate blacks. So uh, guess what? 90% of all Planned Parenthoods are within walking distance of black and brown communities throughout the country right now, today. Now, if they were sincere about women's, uh, oh, this is just women's health and we just want to congregate where women are all great, then that means that you would not spend 90% of your resources on a 3% demographic. That business model just doesn't work. Any other business would go out of business. Um, And some people say, well, where do you get the 3%? Let me give it to you real quick. So 13% of of all uh, blacks are, um, you know, blacks make up 13% of all the population, okay? Of the 13%, half of those are women, so 6.5%. Of the 6.5%, ages 15 to 44 are childbearing ages. And therefore, half of that six and a half percent are childbearing age. So let's bring it down to three point two five percent for a three point two five percent demographic. Planned Parenthood dedicates 90 percent of their resources, 90 percent of all Planned Parenthoods around the country are within walking distance of those communities. So um, so this is strategic. Now, if they were sincere about, you know, just women's health care. Great. All of the demographic research has been done. They don't have to spend another nickel to try to figure out where to put their facilities. Uh, you just go to on the backside of every target. 
and Walmart in the country. And that's where women congregate. And, and you know, you know, you got McDonald's that, that do it. You got these other, you know, I I wear folks that do that. Uh, why can't they have a Planned Parenthood on the backside of the Walmarts or, or, or Targets in the country? And then we could say, OK, well, yeah, they, they're probably sincere about just taking care of women, but they won't do it. They're strategic. They're specifically and strategically targeting to this very day the black community. And so that's why even though we have such a small percentage of blacks, especially black women that are childbearing age, we make up 40 percent of all abortions in America. So of the 64 million uh, babies generally that have been uh, aborted, uh, over 25 million approximately have been black. And uh, so that's that's the uh, atrocity that we uh, continue to see. It's sad. It's very sad, especially from a God point of view, because if you came down the birth canal, God had a purpose for you. The other the other the other large killer that you talked about is gang violence. And this really irks me every time I stand up and watch these so-called black leaders talking about the police and talking about the police against blacks and, and, and talking about when somebody goes and takes a gun and shoots up a store or a church or something that like that. That, you know, we got to take the guns away like the gun did it. Yet, when you look at the gang violence and all the killings within the black community, they never, where, where are the groups, where are all the activists standing in the community trying to protect the people that live there from all, from all the gun smoke going on in their own communities? Yeah, they're not. Uh, they don't care anything about gang violence, really. I mean, you know, you don't even hear about it in most of your major cities. I mean, the only time we hear about it is in Chicago. But every weekend in Memphis. Every weekend in Chicago. <laughs> every weekend in Chicago, every weekend in Memphis, every weekend in, you know, Detroit uh, and some in Baltimore and some of these other areas, these these atrocities are happening. Right. Um, and then we have, you know, straight bullets that are killing our children and this kind of thing. And it's it's, it's horrible what happens now. Uh, here, here's here's the bottom line. They don't care anything about, uh, quote unquote, illegal guns, because if they cared about that, they would close up that border, uh, you know, post haste. OK, mm -hmm. the, the reason why these gay these these guns are so readily available is we have an open border that allows any guns from anywhere in the world to come across. And unregistered and untraceable. Unregistered, unregistered and, and we can go back to Obama's uh, Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious, <laughs> right. baby. He and Holder, boy, they were woo, making sure that all the gun cartel, all all the gang cartels down there at the southern border had our uh, had our weapons, and they they fully uh, armed them and weaponized them, and we've uh, lost some of our border patrol agents as a result of that. Uh, uh, Brian Terry and some others, but the bottom line is, is look. Um, they don't care about the gun violence in the streets. Um, it's a talking point for them. But if they were sincere, they would close that border because that is a number one area where, again, you can get unregistered, untraceable guns coming from all different parts of the world uh, coming back over that border. So those guns have a real convenient way of finding their ways to our major cities. And then we have our major population, especially the innocents in these populations, being slaughtered by virtue of these gun violence and these guns that are uh, that are being used by these by these criminals. Um, so if they were sincere about getting the guns off the streets, getting the guns out of the criminals hands, what they would do is anybody creating a crime, uh, they would make sure that they were disarmed. But a lot of cases, these criminals are, are, are doing crimes. They may not even be in the in midst of actually doing a crime um, you know, when they're captured, you know, maybe it's a petty theft or something like that. But these criminals have have guns and they don't take them away. So the problem is, is these people are not being disarmed, even though they're being ca caught and captured for other things. Um, and so they're allowed then to continue to to go out and proliferate their 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 carnage on these innocent populations within these communities. It's horrible what we're seeing, but again, uh, these people are careless. Uh, they only care about power. Uh, and they, by and large, they are white supremacists and racists. Now, I know we haven't talked a lot about my book, but I, I, would, I really would like to give your uh, listeners just a, pre a purview of what that is. Um, what I wanted to do is to write about wokeism in general and then talk about, really start to, um, you know, sort of 
take that apart and really find out whether these people actually had a legitimate claim as they were pointing to others who just had dissenting point of views. But they would point to others and say, you're a white supremacist, you're a racist, you're privileged, blah, blah, blah. You're a white Christian nationalist, whatever, whatever. And uh, so I, I started with Marx and I started to take a look at because everybody knows that wokeism is, is rooted in Marxism. There's no disagreement there. And then uh, and then I felt I heard that still small voice that inside. I said, no, 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 no. You don't start with Marx. Marx actually had a mentor. And he was actually someone's protege. You start with that person. So I looked at the Marx and Engels, their early works were all dedicated mm -hmm. to Charles Darwin. And I started with Darwin. And Darwin's first book was on natural selection. The subtitle is For the Preservation of Most Favored Races. Yeah, it's Darwin, right? And I'm thinking, oh, wow, I didn't know this. Um, so then in his second book, he goes all in. He says, look, the second book is the the descent of man. In his second book, he goes all in with being a white supremacist and racist, a notorious white supremacist and racist. Here's the thing, he says, look, uh, we whites, we have to protect our intellectual capacity. We we are the first ones that evolved. We have fullness of, of, evolutionary, of evolution behind us, so our intellectual capacity and our um, resourcefulness confirms this. Now, all other ethnicities, especially blacks, look at blacks, you could see them, uh, they're still trying to climb the evolutionary scale that I've outlined. He says they're still subhuman, apes, gorillas, and savages. These are the terms that Charles Darwin would use to describe people like you and me. Um, so you wanna hear, you wanna see white supremacy and racism in action. That was the taproot right there, that unleashed in the mid 1800s, all kinds of horrible acts, deeds, laws, and everything else that really kept uh, blacks under the thumb of white supremacists and racists to this very day. Because believe it or not, 90% of all scientists believe in all or parts of, of, of Darwin's theories. Um, uh, since Marx and Engels uh, fully embraced all of Darwin, uh, Darwinism, and you had social Darwinism that led into, uh, you know, Marxism that right now is cultural Marxism. Um, all of these theories are being fully, uh, you know, instantiated and inculcated and insulated within Marxism today. So if you got anybody that's a Marxist that listens to you, Gary, guess what? The inconvenient truth for them is, uh, guess what, bro, sis? Uh, y'all white supremacists and racists, and you can't escape it. Now, the only way you can escape it is like, look, I reject Marx uh, in any of his theories and philosophies, and I reject Darwin in any of his theories and philosophies. If you don't reject those two men, guess what? You own it, baby. And you. don't we also have to throw the third in, because right now you said the magic word, cultural Marxism, so don't we also have to reject Antonio Gramsci? Oh, absolutely. Because <laughs> he's the one right now. All of this woke goes back to that Italian communist about, OK, America, they won't overthrow by right. force. So we'll change the language and change the culture. And that's exactly what woke is. Wrap it down. He was he was a Marxist. Uh, now, even in our modern day, you, you can't even stop with Gramsci. You have to go all the way up to Saul Alinsky. Alinsky, right. This book outlines it all. So uh, Alinsky's in there, Marx, Engels. Um, uh, Darwin, uh, Darwin's cousin, uh, Francis Galton, those are the fathers of eugenics. They started eugenics out of whole cloth. In other words, there was no scientific justification. Literally, they started eugenics because they felt that these other ethnicities were overpopulating and that e eventually whites, white, pure, European, Caucasian, whatever you, Aryans, whatever you want to call them, would, be, uh, would become a minority and lose power. So they literally decided, hey, you know, we need to figure out a way, a scientific way to justify exterminating folks. So let's just do eugenics. Eugenics, when it was fully, uh, you know, released, is responsible for uh, the actions of Hitler, Mao, Stalin, Lenin, every genocidal despot in history pointed to Charles Darwin and eugenics as justification for doing what they did. When it came here to America, Margaret Sanger was first and foremost on the front tip of the spear of the eugenics movement here in America. 
And so I came here by way of sterilization was the first step, and then uh, abortion today. So if you're an abortionist, you, oh, I believe women's right to choose. I'm pro-choice. Okay, good, good, good. Here's your thing. Uh, just own it. You are, by definition, not being a pejorative here, by definition, you're a white supremacist and a racist, period. Hard stop, end of story, because that's the only reason why we have abortion today. The only reason. Kevin, you know, you just said something again, women's right to choose. So why is it when it came to abortion, it's a woman's right to choose. But when it comes to taking the jab, oh, no, Fauci's God. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Yeah, we, we didn't hear any of that woman's right. To right. Choose. Yeah. Where, where did that woman's right to choose go? Yeah. Yeah. I, I wrote a couple of articles about that, man. That was uh, the biggest hypocrisy and and biggest. You know, they look like a bunch of uh, hysterical fools. Uh, quickly falling in line with government, you know, okay, no, no, government can have my body. Uh, and then after the, the thing died down again, then they got back on their high horse talking about women's right to choose. But they sure, certainly were not standing up for their right to choose when it came to the jab. Absolutely. Right. So give the people a couple of points why they should get this book, Woked Up. What is in there Beside understanding the emphasis on the realities of what blacks have gone through, how we got through and naming some of these people and how they went about taking us down this path. But what are two or three main points that you think people don't know they need to know about wokeness? The, the main points would be, listen, um, every there's a lot of people that are being that are having fingers pointed at them. They're being doxxed. They're being canceled. They're being maligned. They're being accused. They're being shamed and guilted. Uh, because they happen to dissent from the cultural narrative of Marxism and everything else that goes along with that. And so uh, those people need to understand what's going on. Why are you being abused to such a degree? Now, the other thing is, is those people need to understand how do you talk to people that hold these views, these Marxists, they're revolutionary Marxists, all the wokesters are revolutionary Marxists, whether they know it or, or not, it doesn't matter, that's what they are. Uh, how do you speak to them and, and help bring them along? You know, uh, right now, the, you know, a lot of people are just feeling guilted and shamed. And because these other folks are so aggressive, uh, people don't even have a uh, context for how do you how do you sit your niece, nephew, children, grandchildren, your community, uh, children in the community, sit them down and say, let's have a conversation about this. Can I expose to you some real truths about you know what wokeism is, and 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 about your you know your your virtue signaling about you know these things. Can we at least have a conversation about them? And then you have all the talking points, literal, uh, including all of the footnotes to take you right to the private letters, take you right to exactly the quotes that these people have said. And you'll be able to then talk a lot of these wokesters that have uh, been gripped and swept into a movement they know nothing about you'll get to convey to them accurate history and then bring them out of that. Right now, a lot of us don't have, we have no capacity to bring wokesters out of being woke and it, uh, because we, we don't even know what it's all about. We don't have the talking points for it. And so this book fully gives you that, again, with all the footnotes and everything else. And then it helps you to stay out of uh, any schemes towards white supremacy and racism yourself because right now today if you are a diehard darwinist or marxist you don't know it and you may not believe it but you are just because you are by definition a white supremacist and racist because of the ideology that you embrace and so these people need to understand what's what and so this book com fully conveys all that to you there's no political bent to it there's no uh religious bent to it it's just facts truth historical perspective, cultural narrative that gives you the truth and allows you then to take that and go on forward and be in a powerful way and help your friends, neighbors, families, and help everybody to really begin to unify around the truth again. And that's what it's all about. Okay. So since you're on the, on the uh, left coast and uh, so if you took the book into Cal Berkeley or UCLA or Santa Clara, or we could go Cal Fullerton, we go up and down the yep. list and you went into college students who were buying into uh, Black Lives Matter as the group yep. who are buying into a uh, cancel culture, who are buying into critical race theory, and mm -hmm. you have a conversation with them. 
How's that going to go? It, like, are you finding that some people, can you talk to these people or, or are they just too far gone? We have the facts, you can talk to them. Absolutely. So the way it goes is this. Look, look. Um, let's say you, you have somebody that's, uh, you know, really, really embracing critical race theory. And then you say, okay, um, so your embrace of critical race theory is also an embrace. I hope you understand this. You're literally embracing systemic racism. What? Well, they're calling you a racist at the same time for for supporting right. anything on the right. Right. So right. now exactly. you're telling them, no, that's not real racism. What's real racism is what you're supporting. Right. Right. Exactly. And and and, and you say it matter of fact. So this is not this is not an ad hominem. You're not trying to be mean or nasty. You're saying, look, I understand that you embrace critical race theory. Here's the deal. Uh, you you may not know it because you don't have the facts. And you haven't done the research. And I understand a lot of people just you know they start to embrace these things because they. They sound nice and it feels good and all this. Uh, the bottom line is CRT is in and of itself systemically racist. Now, what, and you just leave it there. Now, what they're gonna do is they're gonna say, come on, man, get out of here. And then you say, no, no, let, if you want, we can go through it. We can talk about the definitions of racism and we can talk about how it's, you know, where it's come from and all of that. And then we can talk about CRT. And, and what it advocates and all of that. And we can, you know, and, and here's the thing, at the end of our conversation, let's both agree that we both commit to standing against any form of racism um, and, 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 uh, and especially systemic racism. Can we agree? Going in, can, we get, can I get your agreement that you'd be willing to do that? Then that opens the door for, for literal conversations uh, and and it gives you the opportunity then because you have all the talking points because you've already read my book and you've got you know the quotes and everything else uh, to then bring people along. Now, if they won't talk to you because that means they're a diehard uh, ideologue and don't spend time with people who don't want to you know really engage in conversation you, because you're not going to be able to move those people. You know they they're just leftist progressive Democrats to the core and you can't. There's nothing you can do. But there's a the majority of people are are open to having some form of dialogue. Majority of people can be persuaded as long as you know what you're talking about and as long as you have the facts. Uh, people don't want to be racist and supremacist. So, you know, they'll, they'll have that conversation with you. And, but, you know, you got to be armed with the facts. You got to have the truth. And, uh, you know, you, you'll be able to do that. Uh, I, I look forward to being invited to any of these campuses uh, on a panel or what, however they want to do it, uh, because, you know, our students are being abused and, and uh, maligned and abused by virtue of uh, this brainwashing that's going on at all levels, K through 16. And uh, so we need to actually have some practical discussions about this, the, the curriculum and the brainwashing. Uh, and the, uh, the, the, the literal uh, gaslighting that's happening on all of our campuses. So, Kevin, these, these are great answers. And I know there are some people that don't know you or know of you that are saying, yeah, this guy's making a lot of sense, sort of, kind of. But, you know, I'm not I'm not really sold here. And this is a guy. He's a right. He's a right leaning guy. And he he's a he's a a right thinking guy and and he's no real brother man because he wouldn't be talking about this. So I think right now you need to really shock some people and rattle some cages. Just give them your background. So I was born in San Francisco in Hunters Point projects in the 1960s. If you know anything about the Hunters Point projects in San Francisco in the 1960s, you know that that was the headquarters of the Black Panther movement. I was born in those projects. I was up there with the brothers up there for, for you know, first little small part of our lives. It's the first seven years or so. And my parents moved to a lower middle class neighborhood not far from there. They're still there today. They've been married 62 years, going on 63 next week. Amen. But anyway, uh, yeah, my parents are just mighty men and women of God. And, and Amen. But back in the day, you know, they weren't. I mean, you know, we were just living that, you know, lower middle class, you know, kind of thing. And my father was an uh, alcoholic all my formative years. Uh, my mother prayed him into the kingdom at some time later. But um, but anyway, uh, so the deal was I went to a public school and I was just a crazy, you know, 
hooligan, a hellion that used to just love to scrap. You know, I mean, you know, man, I used like, to just, give him your size. Uh, I'm six two, two two thirty five. You know, so you you scrap in size. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah. so anybody that would you know had some beef with me back in the day, we used to just get to it. I used to say, okay, let's let's just do it. You know, I mean, you know, I, I wasn't a bully person. I wasn't just looking for trouble, but you know, I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't back back away from it. So uh, so anyway, that was kind of you know, I just did all these kind of crazy you know inner city type stuff. Born in a leftist, progressive household and community and city. Uh, but because I got good grades, because my dad, even though he was an alcoholic, my mom knew that she can use him as a lever that I'd bring home with the good grades or she's going to sick my drunk daddy on me. So uh, <laughs> oh, he came home every night, too. That was the other thing. He came home every night. So. Uh, so the deal was, uh, you know, I brought home some good grades in the public school and never got in trouble with with law enforcement. They never caught me. <laughs> but uh, uh, but then I went to San Jose State, got a sociology degree. So I'm steeped in abject poverty. I understand what that's like. Uh, I understand what leftist progressivism is like. And then I get this this whole indoctrination of Marxism at San Jose State uh, with sociology. So I know of clearly what all this stuff is like. I mean, I come. That's my background. Uh, but when my wife and I got married after I graduated college, um, you know, we realized that we wanted to run our household strictly biblically. And we started to be disciples and took a look at the word of God and really felt that God was helping us to understand our role in civic engagement, how important it is uh, and et cetera. So we, we, you know, we felt the prompting to look at the platforms of the parties and we were astonished. My, my wife is from inner city Detroit. She's a, uh, you know, sociology, uh, she's a psych major, a psych degree, and I have a sociology degree. So anyway, we, we, you know, we were like astonished that we took a look at the platforms and realized that we had been voting and advocating for so many years uh, for things that were really destructive to the black community and not not supportive or productive. And so we've uh, ever since then, we've we've been, you know, I don't I don't say I'm a conservative or a GOP or any of that. I just I vote I, I vote biblically. So I, I don't I don't care uh, which side that person. Is. Now, what that means is I don't equivocate when it comes to the issue of life or in the issue of, of how God designed his uh, family uh, to be, you know, his his when marriage God, marriage uh, God defined marriage. And I don't I don't equivocate on those things. So um, but. You know, so but if there is a, a, you know, irrespective of which side that they're on, as, as long as people align with a biblical purview, uh, that's that's how we vote. And, uh, you know, so that's it's been like that uh, ever since that. And uh, yeah, so that's that's a little bit of background. Right. And just like me, I I became born again Christian at age 47. And that's when I saw I was voting wrong because I understood freedom came through Jesus Christ and the bonds of sin were broken by him and the Democratic Party was put keeping me in bondage. Yeah. You know, and getting God all ticked off because I didn't see a problem. You know, like it's a woman's body. She could do what she wants and you can marry who you want, who you hurting and all this stuff. And I realized uh, I'm I'm looking at the wrong person. I'm concerned about what man going to say or do to me when I really need to be concerned about what God is going to say and do to me. That's right. Kevin, you know, it's been wonderful having you on and talking to you again. And before you go, uh, I got have to give you the opportunity for the mic drop moment and the mic drop moment. And I'll just say one thing and drop the mic and freestyle. Yeah, you'll get to freestyle. I'll just kick back and listen to what you have to say. And usually it's just one term, but I'm yeah. going to put two together because they're deeply closely associated in a certain way. So your mic drop moment, your freestyle moment is critical race theory slash the group Black Lives Matter. Uh, both pure Marxist, both pure racist, both fully embracing supremacy, whether it be white supremacy or black supremacy, supremacy. and uh, both need to be completely, utterly, and totally rejected. 
Because what is wrong with them? Uh, because they're racist and they're supremacist. And, and there's no way around it. I mean, critical race theory is systemically racist. You understand what systemic racism mm -hmm. is? You understand what CRT is? Um, and then uh, Black Lives Matter is uh, by an avowed Marxist organization. And with Karl Marx and all of his uh, theories, um, that, that means that they're racist, supremacist, and by, by virtue of Marx himself, um, that means also that they're demonic. Because Marx said, look, if you embrace any form of faith, mm -hmm. not be a follower of mine. You cannot be a Marxist. So that means that anyone who professes to be a Marxist is literally demonic. They're Luciferian. Uh, that's that's Marx. That's uh, that's how he carried. I don't, you know. Absolutely, and 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 the reason being because Marx was about the state. Marx was about big government, having government be your daddy, and he had to get God out of the way because, as we always say on the show, either you're going to follow a benevolent God or big government, but not both. And to get government out of the way, to get people to follow and have go on a government dime and look to big government, he had to get rid of God, and then you got to take the guns away because they realized. Once you realize you're going communist, now you want to take your country back like Venezuela and some of these places and look at Cuba now. You can't yep. get it back because you have no weapons. Marx's exact quote was, look, I don't care if you adopt my philosophies, my economics, you know, theories and all this. He says, look, my number one goal in life is to dethrone God, God. out of the hearts of men. And so that means, look, anybody that supports Marx, the inconvenient truth for you that you now have to confront yourself with is, am I, am I going to continue to support this and be a demoniac or Luciferian, or am I going to drop this nonsense and move on and allow God to use me in a way that he designed me? Amen. And then we'll take it another step further. Yep. Just go get the book and you don't you don't have to buy it. Just go down to your local library. It's there and look at Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. Yeah. And look at who he dedicated the book to. Yep. The book is dedicated to Lucifer, Lucifer for giving God the middle finger for turning on God, who he called the first radical. How much more do we need to know? It's unbelievable when you look at black liberation theology, James Cone. Uh, that whole theology, James Cone's theology, came out of South American Marxism mm -hmm. by his own admission, and yet this is being preached in 40% of black churches. So demonism, literally, by, by definition, being preached and embraced by 40% of black churches today. It's unbelievable. We have a lot of work to do, brother. And you know what the scary thing is? Which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Guess what? The re only reason it's being preached is because itching ears want to hear it. And that's the scary factor. The yep. scary factor is they're just Lucifer. Satan actually is preaching to the choir. Very scary. Kevin, please uh, tell everybody you're the co-founder of Every Black Lives Matters. Every Black Life Matters. Life, excuse me, Every Black Life Matters. And please tell people what the organization's about and what it does. So we are the righteous and faithful alternative to BLM. Uh, when BLM goes and you know destroys streets and burns down black and brown businesses and all this stuff, we decided that look, uh, th certainly there was a lot of people that wanted to express uh, outrage and sorrow and grief for what they saw with George Floyd, but being attached to a Marxist organization, destroying communities and violent and being hateful in the way that they were doing it and racist and all that. Uh, so we're the righteous and faithful uh, alternative. We are absolutely concerned for every single black life from conception to the grave. So we're completely a pro-life organization, pro-family, uh, pro-father, uh, pro-free uh, markets and capitalism, uh, pro-school choice. Uh, we are the righteous and faithful alternative BLM. So if you want to uh, really stand by and support uh, an organization that really is about uh, protecting, you know, all lives and especially focused on black life, then uh, we're that organization. Uh, and the, you can find out more about us and take a look at our pillars and all that by going to everyblm.com, everyblm.com. You can find out more about the book by just going to Amazon uh, and get woked up. Um, 
with my last name, McGarry, but you can just type in Woked Up, W-O-K-E-D Up, and Amazon will get you the book in about two days. And it's definitely something that you need. Kevin, thank you. Thanks for coming on again. Please tell people how they can reach you. You've given them the book. You've given them the website. Are there any personal ways that they can reach you uh, by social media and anything else that you'd like to promote? So here's the other way that you can uh, keep track and and, and keep tabs on, on me personally and what I'm doing. I do have a Y'all Woked Up uh, YouTube channel. So it's Y-A-L-L Woked Up uh, YouTube. And go and subscribe there. I'm doing one minute shorts uh, pretty much every day. I mean, I, you know, I got hundreds of them out there, though, uh, ranging in all topics. Uh, basically, I give you a non woke version of current events and, and news and uh, in, a, in, a, in a humorous way as well. So uh, y'all woke up. Come out there and, and uh, subscribe to YouTube there and you can keep tasking me there as well. Kevin, thank you very much for coming on. You're always welcome to come back. God bless you and God bless your family. Uh, thank you so much, Gary. It's always an uh, honor and a privilege to be here. So God bless you, sir. Thank you. There you have it. Bringing the heat and rattling the correct cages. Mr. Kevin McGarry. Everybody, please check out his book. Check out his information because he just brought mega doses of truth. Mr. Kevin McGarry. I want to thank Kevin McGarry for raising the curtain and casting a bright spotlight on life-altering issues the leftist globalist factions are intent upon us remaining in the dark about. The first step to removing evil is to shine a light on it. So Kevin, continue to let your light shine. This podcast is available for download at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating, and a review. And be sure to tell your friends about the show. For first-time listeners, we encourage you to check out the podcast archive located on the page. All previous podcasts are there featuring guests including Ben Carson, Diamond and Silk, Kevin Sorbo, Mike Lindell, Brandon Tatum, Morgan Brittany, Carol Swain, Lieutenant General Flynn, Naomi Wolf, Herschel Walker, Monica Crowley, Star Parker, and Nick Searcy. That's a wrap for now, folks. Thanks for joining us. So until the next time, this is your host, Gary Benford, saying, God bless you, God bless your families, and God bless America.